0: While you're standing with me, if you have your Bible, I want you to turn to 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 7. 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 7. I'm going to read this one verse of Scripture. I'm trying my best not to lie to you. I don't feel like I'm going to be real long tonight. But I didn't feel like I was going to be real long Sunday morning. And so my feelings are sometimes not a good judge. But first Kings chapter 19 and verse 7 and the scripture says And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said Arise and eat because the journey is too great for thee The journey is too great with thee, i want to speak for a few moments tonight from this topic the perilous journey home the perilous journey home would you pray with me lord jesus i love you I thank you for your goodness and your anointing. I thank you for the presence of God that I feel so rich in this house. And I'm asking the next few moments, Lord, you'd anoint these lips and the words that I will speak, Lord. Let me be the mouthpiece of God, Lord. Allow the anointing of the unction of the Holy Ghost, Lord, to speak through me, Lord. I'm asking that you would touch our hearts and our lives, challenge us, refresh us, renew us, and strengthen us in the Holy Ghost, Lord. In the precious name of Jesus Christ, would you say amen? Amen. You may be seated. I don't know how closely you may have followed the news this weekend or if you are even aware that there is a tragedy that was unfolding on Mount Everest. Has anybody seen that in the news? There, the, As of this past Monday, 11 people have died on the slopes of Mount Everest this year. And the most interesting thing about their deaths is is the fact that this year, now people die on Everest every year. The death toll this year is going to be one of the highest death tolls in the history, although not the highest, but it's going to be one of the highest death tolls in the history of Everest. But the interesting thing about this year, uh, the the tremendous, tragic uh, number of deaths, is that every one of them this year, every death occurred on the way down the mountain on the way towards the safety of lower altitudes. Most of these deaths occurred after a successful summit attempt, after the person had stood on the summit of Mount Everest. There were two men, both of them Americans, who had achieved the the, the challenge of climbing the highest mountain on every continent in the world. So the seven highest summits, a summit on each continent that was the highest. And Everest was their final trip, and they actually summited two days apart. But both of them died on their way back down the mountain. You know, some some didn't even make it to the top. Some recognized there was one man who actually, he he wrote about it, put it out on his, he was keeping a blog post and and a journal of his attempts to make it to the top of Everest. And he got caught in the traffic jam and realized the danger that he was in, turned around and and started back and made a post about how dangerous it was because of how crowded it was and how he was going to wait for a better day. But somewhere down the mountain on his way to safety, he decided to rest and he never got up from his rest. All of them occurred on the way down. Now, you may think that when it comes to climbing a mountain like Mount Everest, that going up is the hardest part. I can tell you, I've climbed a few hills and there's nothing easy about lugging all this extra weight up the mountain amen Going up definitely has its challenges. Going up definitely has uh, the obstacles of, of having to climb and, and having to exert yourself. And, and you would think that coming down would be the easy part. You'd think that coming down would be the, the easy part of the journey, that by the time you've made the top, it would be easy then just to turn around and put one foot in front of the other let like gravity do its thing and pull you down the mountain. But according to the the officials in Nepal, 90% of the people who die on that mountain die on their way home. They die on their way back down. The journey to the top is, is perilous. It's dangerous. But it's the journey back home. It's the journey down the mountain where the real danger lies. You see, the human body begins to literally break down at the altitude of 17,000 feet. Your body cannot regenerate at that altitude. It doesn't. Your body is constantly, you're losing cells and you're, you're regenerating new cells. You, your skin, if you could see it in a, in, in a microscopic level, when you rub your hand, you're, there are skin cells that are coming off. They're, they're dead. And, and underneath that, there are skin cells that have been replaced. And this is a constant regeneration that's going on in your body. But something happens when you exceed 17,000 feet. Your body can no longer regenerate itself it's dying faster than it can make itself live certain things start to happen your fingernails quit growing your your ability to uh, uh, recover from an injury to heal an injury uh, becomes dramatically slowed down The, the ability to overcome simple infections is dramatically weakened. Every bit of energy that the body has in that that area above 17,000 feet, every bit of the energy that the body has goes into maintenance. It goes into trying to keep the body alive. It goes into an insufficient Attempt to try to regenerate itself. So if you stay there long enough, if you get above 17,000 feet and you stay there long enough, you will die die there's no doubt about it when you cross the threshold when you when you enter that space there is a specific amount of time and it may be different for every individual but there's a specific amount of time that your body can stand and and the specific amount of resources that you can deplete before you reach the place where you cannot go on any longer amen and the higher you go The more difficult it becomes, and the more impacting uh, the atmosphere comes, and the more acute the circumstance comes. When you pass 26,000 feet, uh, the effect is incredibly amplified. It's another layer, it's another area. They call that layer, uh, they used to call anything above 17,000 feet the death zone. But now, with, with the advent of being able to use oxygen to climb, now they've moved that to 26,000 feet. When you cross 26,000 feet, even with supplemental oxygen, you've reached an area where your body just cannot live. And once you enter that atmosphere at 26,000 feet, the timer starts. And and you've only got so long to get to the top and and get back down the mountain to safety. And if you waste any time in that journey, you're not going to make it back down. Now, Everest is 29,000, a little bit over 29,000 feet. Tall And a, a successful summit of Everest is, is about conserving your energy. It's about not expending all of your energy to get to the top. Because what happens is if you, if you use your last reserves to push your way to stand on the top of the world, you're going to have your moment of victory. You're going to have your moment of success, but you're never going to make it safely back down. The climber has to manage their oxygen supply. They have to make sure that they don't use all of their supplemental oxygen going up because you need it coming back down. Above 26,000 feet, even with the oxygen, your body is dying at a rapid rate. Now, I know there's nobody in this room, at least I hope there's nobody in this room, that's going to undertake a journey to Nepal an attempt to climb Everest anytime soon. It costs cost about ten thousand dollars. They issue about three hundred permits a year. If you want to do it, you can find an outfit that'll take you, but I I think you could better spend that ten thousand dollars on uh building program or or, or form missions or something else. Amen. If you want to know what it looks like from the top of the world, go look at a picture. Praise God. But I, I the reason I talk about Everest and the reason I bring up the disaster that's unfolding there is that it reminded me this weekend of the fact that the Christian life is a journey. It's a journey home, amen? You would think that perhaps the most difficult part is getting someone up the mountain to Calvary, getting them to the place of, of repentance and being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and being filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And often we think when we get to that place, we, we've we made it, we've arrived. But the fact is that you have just started the most dangerous part of the journey. It's the perilous journey home that I want to talk to you about. Amen. It's not all that different from the slopes of, of Mount Everest. The journey itself becomes the obstacle. The journey itself becomes the thing that that sets out to hinder you and destroy you and will and will will cause you to lose your way along the way. The atmosphere of this world uh, is toxic to your soul. Uh, can I get an amen? The atmosphere of this world uh, it, it drains you it draws from you. It robs you of spiritual strength uh, and vitality. And you can't live very long in that atmosphere. Amen. When you put yourself in a place where you're, you're submerged in the things of this world, uh, you've entered a realm where you just don't have the spiritual vitality to live. Amen. There's a spiritual man that begins to die. Uh, it's a spiritual death zone, uh, if you will. Uh, amen. That atmosphere is toxic. Uh, but you have to live live in it. You have to work in it. You have to breathe it. You have to carry on your daily life there. You live in that toxic, deadly zone uh, of this world. And this life will do everything it can to sap you of your strength and your energy and your spiritual vitality. It'll do everything it can to get you to turn aside, uh, to cause you to become complacent uh, and comfortable uh, in that dangerous environment. But I come to this pulpit on a Wednesday night to sound a warning. Uh, You need now, more than you've ever needed it before, the refreshing and the anointing uh, and the presence of God uh, in your life. Uh, You need to seek a daily refreshing. You need daily to come before His throne. You need to make sure, amen, that you get the renewal that you need to make it home. Climbers often experience On their way back down. On the way up, the adrenaline's pushing you. On the top, the euphoria overtakes you. And on the way down, there's the letdown. And they often experience an extreme desire just to stop and rest. Just to lay down and get some sleep just to take a little weight off for a few minutes and and it's always going to be a short time it's always going to be just just a brief pause but any climber will tell you it's the rest that kills you when you stop in that death zone when you stop in that zone where your body doesn't have the ability to replenish itself climbers have an adage they say climb high And sleep low. What they mean is once you leave the safety of those lower altitudes, you don't stop going until you get home you don't stop going until you get back to the, you don't stop to rest until you reach the safety of those lower altitudes you don't ever rest until you're out of the danger zone i come to tell you on, on a wednesday night you have an enemy that seeks to destroy you peter warned you in first peter chapter 5 and verse 8 be sober be vigilant because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Uh, Amen. You have an enemy that wants to destroy you. You have an enemy that seeks to sidetrack you. You have an enemy that wants to cause you to become complacent on your way uh, to heaven. You have an enemy that wants to get you just to sit down uh, and rest a little bit, uh, just to let down your guard just a little bit. uh, Amen. But Peter says, be sober. That means be awake. uh, Be vigilant. Be aware. uh, Amen. Know that you have an enemy who is stalking you don't go to sleep amen bad things happen when you go to sleep the enemy never sleeps and I'm not talking about just sleeping at night because the one that watches over you he never sleeps nor slumbers and you can trust him enough to lay your head on a pillow at night but when you go to sleep spiritually you put yourself in a very dangerous place because you have an enemy who stalks the darkness of this world Our our Navy SEALs say that they own the night. The night is theirs. And they have the advantage. Our military, not just our special forces, but our military has the advantage in darkness because we have technology that turns the darkness into daylight and we can see and enemies cannot see amen so it's a it's a dangerous environment for our enemies my friend whenever you allow yourself to become complacent and comfortable in this world and with this world and you allow the things of this world to begin to infect your heart and creep into your life and the thought processes of this world to begin to become your thought processes and allow yourself to begin to see things from the world's point of view instead of heaven's point of view you You're putting yourself in a place where your enemy owns the night. Amen. Your enemy is a roaring lion. He stalks in the night. He hunts in the night. Amen. That is the place where he is comfortable. And when you take yourself into that environment, you're putting yourself in a dangerous place. Can I get an amen? Amen. There is an extreme temptation when you're climbing the mountain to use up your oxygen and a push to get to the top to give everything you have to make it, to, to push your way to stand on that peak and stand on that summit and know that you've accomplished what it is that you set out to accomplish. The problem is that they can leave a climber without enough oxygen to make the journey home. And, and so the successful climber learns that if I'm going to make it back home I've got to cache my oxygen bottles along the way I've got to I've got to make little supply depots if you will and, and the outfitter will often do this go up with his clients and on the way up he's he's taking the the oxygen bottles that precious air that you need to survive and he's putting a little here and putting a little there and and he knows that on the journey down we'll be able to find those things and and they'll be strengthened us along the way, and they'll refresh us whenever uh, our body is deteriorated and whenever our strength is almost gone. And so they they take that supply of oxygen that provides uh, the vital energy that they need to make it home, and they they scatter it along the way, and they they make special places where they know that they can stop and they can they can replenish uh, and and they can they can revive themselves, and they'll be able to make it safely home because of the oxygen. I'm here to tell you, you need to. Make Make a place in your life to get shut away with God. You need to make a daily opportunity to find yourself in the presence of God. You need strength uh, for your journey, and it can only be found in the presence of God. The mountain climber doesn't find the oxygen by accident. It's not that he's, you know, it's like some video game, you're coming down the, the, the mountain, oh, there it is, and, and tap into it. No, no, it's there because he made an opportunity for it to be there. It's there because he took the time on that. Remember, you're on a clock when you cross the line. You've only got so much time. And, and common sense might say, don't waste the time to to dig a hole in the snow here. Uh, don't waste the time here. We, we need to get to the top uh, so we can get back down. But it's because he took the time uh, that he didn't have, that he, he prepared for that moment when he was going to be weak and weary and delirious and just about out of his mind. Uh, and he made a place of refuge. It, that's what saves his life. Uh, and I'm telling you, if you're going to make heaven your home, uh, it's going to be because you make a space in your life for God. Uh, it's going to be because you set aside moments uh, and opportunities. Uh, and even when you don't feel weak, uh, even when you don't feel like you need it, even when you don't feel like it's critical, uh, you take the time when you don't have the time uh, to make a place for God to bless you. Because it's in those fountains of refreshing. It's in those, those places where you shut yourself away with God. Uh, that he's going to pour into your spirit what you need to make it through the day. Can I get an amen? amen? So our text finds the prophet Elijah at the low point in his journey between the tremendous victory at Mount Carmel and the divine visitation that will occur at Mount Horeb. Elijah has exhausted himself. He has no more resources from which to draw. He's on the run. He's running for his life. That victory on Carmel, that that exciting moment where God showed himself and answered by fire has been eclipsed now by the terror of death, and he's running for his life. And and, and it's a sure thing that if they catch him, it's over, and he's, he's run himself to the point of exhaustion. And in a moment of weakness, you read the story. In a moment of weakness, Elijah sits down and begs God to come take his life. Just let me go home, Lord. He even calls himself a failure. He said, I'm a failure just like my father's. What he's saying is, my my father's, my my ancestors, those who went before me, they couldn't get bell worship out of Egypt either, and and I failed just like they failed. Uh, And he's at that low point uh, and at that low place where he's, he's ready just to throw up his hands and quit. And the scene that follows is powerful. in his moment of weakness... God sends an angel to feed him. And the angel makes him a cake. And he eats a little. And then he falls asleep. It's a scene that's reminiscent of and draws a precise parallel to the children of Israel in the wilderness. The journey that that Elijah will make on to mount horeb it's going to be a parallel of the journey the children of israel made through the wilderness and that's interesting because that is a journey that parallels the journey that you and i are making to heaven Amen. Like strangers and pilgrims, we're passing through this world. Amen. Our hope is in the Lord, and, and this world is not our home. We're just passing through, and we're striving for a promised land that's on the other side of glory. So the angel gives Elijah this cake, and he eats a little and goes to sleep. He didn't eat all he needed. I love grace, I love second chances. The Bible said the angel let him sleep a little bit and then woke him up a second time and said, You need to eat. Amen. God's going to come to you. He's going You're going to be driving down the road and he's going to invade the solitude of your vehicle. And you're going to feel the glory of God come over and he's going to say, come, you need a sweet hour of prayer. And you're going to pray a few minutes and you're going to feel the Holy Ghost move, but you're just going to get a little and you're going to try to go on with your day and you're going to find him. He'll find you a little while later and he'll wake you up again. He'll say, you need this. Amen. You need to learn to listen to the Holy Ghost. You need to learn to listen to that prompting of God because we trying to do is give you strength for your journey. Uh, what he's trying to do is give you what you need to make it through. Sometimes you struggle where you don't have to struggle because you've neglected the blessing that God's tried to pour out in your life. Amen. And so as the story unfolds, he wakes Elijah the second time and encourages him to rise and eat. And this is what he tells him. The journey is too difficult to undertake without the provision of the Lord. The Bible goes on to tell us that Elijah went, he ate, and he went 40 days and 40 nights on the strength of that one meal as he made the journey to Horeb. Now 40 days is important because Horeb is only 12 days away. It's not like he's going to march a straight line. God intentionally takes him on a roundabout journey that mimics the journey that the children of Israel made through the wilderness because he's making a point that you and I need to be able to pick up on, amen? The children of Israel in the wilderness can't live by their own devices. They don't live by by their skill as hunters and preparers and gatherers. They live by the fact that God pours out precious manna from heaven, and he, he sustains them with that meal that he gives them. And now we find Elijah weak and weary and exhausted and here comes the angel of the Lord and prepares him a meal cake. Did you know that in in the book of Exodus it describes the children of Israel as taking the manna and beating it into meal and making it into cakes, the same kind of cake that the angel makes for Elijah. And there's a parallel that begins to draw in Scripture in between Elijah's 40-day journey to Horeb and Israel's 40-year journey through the wilderness and you and I in our journey to heaven. I'm here to tell you, you need the grace of God. You need the power of God. You need the anointing of God. You need the provision of God. You can't afford to neglect the meals that God's trying to get you to eat. Hey, Amen. You ever, you ever gone to a really nice, fancy restaurant with really good food? Kind of you look you know, you know you'll spend too much, and you look forward to it all day long. And it, maybe the first time you go, you you kind of walk through the door about, you know, you snacked on the way, and you're eating a Snickers bar, and this, that, or the other. And, and, and you get in there, and you're just not very hungry. In a few minutes, you're full. And so the next time you go back to Texas Day Brazil, you starve yourself. I mean, you pretty much fast because you want to enjoy what's there. Because if we're full, it doesn't matter how good the food is. If we're full, it doesn't matter how gourmet, how delicious, how, I mean, you just can't eat when you're full. The problem is we come into the presence of God full of the things of this world. We come into the presence of God and he lays before us a feast in the presence of our enemies and we can't eat because we're already full. You have to make space. You have to intentionally make places in your life for God to minister to you. You need to develop a hunger for the things of God, a hunger for the presence of God, a hunger for the anointing of God, a hunger for the strength that He only He can give you. The message is simple and meaningful tonight. You need strength for your journey, amen? And there's only one way to get it. You need strength for your journey, and there's only one place you can find it, amen? You need strength for your journey, or you're not going to make it safely home. Uh, Amen. This world is going to constantly try to drain you of your resources. This world is going to constantly try to rob you of your strength. Uh, This world is going to constantly try to turn you aside uh, and wear you out uh, and fill you up so that you don't partake of that which will bless you. Amen. We all know there's a difference between Snickers bars and, and steak and taters. You need the steak and taters. You don't need the Snickers bar. But if you eat, you know, Snickers really does satisfy. Everybody's going to go out tonight and buy a Snickers bar. I heard there's a new white chocolate Snickers bar. If you find them, buy me one too. I love white chocolate. You eat that stuff, you don't want the good stuff, but you need the good stuff. You need to think about what you consume and how you consume it and how much of it you consume. You need to make sure you're making a place in your life for the presence of God because, honey, you're living in a danger zone. You're walking through a dangerous world that will rob you of your spiritual strength and vitality. You're walking through a dark night uh, that, if you're not careful, will sap away from you the strength that you need to make it home. Amen. And it's the only thing that matters is making it home. Yeah, I, I, One mountain climber said it really doesn't matter whether or not you make it to the top. What matters is whether or not you make it back to the bottom. That's what it's all about, amen? It's about living to fight again. It's about living to see another day. It really doesn't matter, amen? All that matters is that you make it home. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and verse 16 says, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Your inward man needs a daily renewal. Your inward man needs a, a daily refreshing. Uh, you need the presence of God to move in your life on a daily basis. It's not enough just to get it on Wednesday and Sunday. Can I get an amen? It's not enough just to get it every now and again whenever you decide you're hungry. Amen? You don't let your kids just eat when they decide they're hungry. No, you make them eat what you know they need to eat when they need it. And I've been there when daddy said, Boy, you either eat or else. But dad, you eat, you clean that plate. You've been there? Why is that? Because we know what our kids need. You have a heavenly father that's trying to feed you, he's trying to bless you, he's trying to strengthen you. You need to make a place to allow that to happen. Listen, you cannot renew yourself, it's a divine. It takes a divine work. It takes a divine move of God. You don't have the ability to renew your spirit. You don't have the ability to renew your soul. You need the renewal that comes from the Holy Ghost. Titus chapter 3 and verse 4 says, But after that the kindness and love of, our God, of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The hope of eternal life resides in the renewing of the Holy Ghost. You need that renewal in your life. You need that constant uh, outpouring of the presence of God. You need that constant refreshing that comes from being with him. It's not enough just to pray over your meal once a day. Amen? You need to have a prayer life. You need to read the word of God. You get renewal from the word of God. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2 says it's new born babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. It's the word that gives you strength. It's the word that makes you grow. You need to be able to pick up your Bible and read it. Uh, amen? You got time for everything else under the sun. Make time for the word of God in your life. Amen? amen? The word renews you. Prayer renews you. Psalm 51 and 10, David prayed, created me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. You can't renew yourself. It takes a move of the Holy Ghost to renew you. Amen? You need to have a regular time of prayer. You need to have a regular time that you spend with Jesus. It's the only way you're going to survive the journey home. Can I get an amen? We spend so much time doing so many other things. We need to make up our mind to spend time with Jesus. Purposefully. Intentionally. Not just accidentally. Not just on Sunday and Wednesday. Amen? We eat so many other things. We partake of so many other things. I, I, don't, you know, I, I wouldn't have to I fire a very broad net you, from Facebook, social media, to entertainment, to books we read, to where I, it won't take me long to find somewhere where you are on that spectrum because we all live there. We partake of all kinds of other things. But honey, there's not life in any of those things. There's life in the presence of God and you need that life. The Holy Ghost inside of you is a, is a is a renewable resource. Amen. You need the renewing that comes from being in the presence of God. You need the renewing that comes from from shutting yourself away with Him and allowing Him to work in your life. So the climbing season on Everest is coming to an end. Matter of fact, they it's kind of a unique thing. The month that they're allowed that they're able to climb, not that they're allowed, that they're able to climb Ma- Everest is the month of May the reason is not because of harsh cold or our atmosphere. It's because the jet stream sits on top of the mountain most of the year. And when the jet stream is sitting on top of the mountain, the mountain sees wind level somewhere around 200 miles per hour at its peak. And you cannot stand on the top of the mountain. And so May, during the month of May, the jet stream shifts. And the mountain becomes climbable. Then the other variable is weather, and the weather determines how many days there are in the month of May that you can actually make the climb. This this year, the reason there are so many fatalities this year is because the weather has not cooperated. There were some 300 uh, permits sold, so some 300 people trying to make the summit. And there were very few days, like uh, two here and three there and four somewhere else. As a matter of fact, this past weekend was one of the longest stretches and saw some of the most fatalities because everybody tried to climb the mountain at the same time. And one climber that did survive said they spent four hours standing in one place on the way up in the death zone and spent three and a half hours waiting to come down and again in a line uh, shuffling along and in the death zone. And you just can't spend that kind of time in the death zone without it finally taking your life. Amen. But this year it's it's coming to an end. Matter of fact, tomorrow is the last day. Tomorrow or or Friday. Friday's the last day of May. I get it right in a minute. June the first is Saturday. June the fifth is my wedding anniversary. We'll be married twenty six years. Somebody call me on June the fourth and remind me. So for many, the journey's finished. If I forget my journey, it will be finished too. But you and I, we've still got a long ways to go before we get home. A lot of miles that had to be tried a lot a lot of trails that had to be covered a lot a lot of distance in between us and heaven, and we need his presence, we need his strength for the journey, we need the anointing of God that can overshadow us and keep us and protect us and bless us and provide for us what we need to make it home. Would you stand with me, Brother Ryan? I don't know what kind of mountain climbing song you've got. this would be an appropriate time to go sing you know climbing up the mountain or something a few years ago i read an account of the disaster that unfolded on mount everest in 1996 that was the worst climbing year ever and for many Many who tried to climb the mountain that year, as a matter of fact, one in four who tried to climb that year died. And it was, it was a disaster because a storm blew in and, and the storm, the snow covered the path home and made it impossible to find the oxygen reserves that had been cached on the way up the mountain. The few survivors of that tragic expedition Tell of searching frantically for oxygen that could not be found. Looking desperately for that life-giving air that would help them make it down the mountain. I couldn't do anything for them, but I can tell you this. I know where the, I know where the refreshing is. I know where the goodness of God is. And i am come to encourage somebody in this house on a Wednesday night Not to let the storms of this life so cloud your vision that you can't find the source of strength that you need to make it home. That's hell's plan. Hell wants to get you in such a storm, the visibility gets down to nothing, and you lose your way and don't know where to turn for help and don't know where to go for strength. But I'm here to tell you the strength of the Lord is what you need And you find it in a daily relationship with him. You find it by walking with him. You can reach out to him anywhere, no matter what the storm is, no matter what the circumstance is, no matter what the situation is. When you call on his name, he'll hear you. Amen. And he's faithful to respond. I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what kind of trouble, trial, situation may be going on in your life. But I come to tell you on a Wednesday night that you can be refreshed and you can be renewed and there is strength to face tomorrow's challenges. But you've got to avail yourself of it. You've got to turn aside, visit the well, allow the water refreshing to flow. The problem is that so often, more often than we like to admit, We walk into the presence of God where he has prepared for us everything we need to make it home. And we get distracted. And we eat just a little bit. Just enough to satisfy our conscience. And then we go on about our journey. Having not taken on what we need. Don't pass up the well today. Don't pass up the presence of God that's in this house tonight. Don't pass up the refreshing and the renewing of the Holy Ghost that's here. I want to encourage everybody under the sound of my voice, if you take a few moments on a Wednesday night and find a place and just turn your heart towards heaven and say, Lord, I need you, Jesus. I can't make it on my own. I can't do it by myself. I need you, Lord. I can't renew my own self. I can't renew my inner man. But I need to be renewed by the Holy Ghost. I can't make myself righteous and holy. I can't I can't cleanse myself and I can't heal myself. I need you, Jesus. I need your touch. I need your anointing. I need your presence. I need your blessings, God. I need you, Jesus. Ordo Borda R R R R